Thanks for checking out a sermon from First United Methodist Church located in Sheridan, Wyoming. To learn more about who we are, please check out our webpage at fumcsheridanwy.org. The sermon today is looking at the Gospel of Matthew and the Great Commission. Our scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, I ask that the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing and glorifying to you. Amen. So today is a Trinity Sunday. Uh, However, full disclosure, I am not going to try and explain to you the unexplainable. All right? Anytime we try to explain the Trinity, we fall short. Therefore, I believe that we need to be reminded that we are people of faith, right? People of faith. We don't need an explanation. We don't need an explanation because we have our own experiences with the triune God. And it's through these experiences that we come to understand who the triune God is and how the Creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit, who they are and how they call us to be and how they work in, through, and around us. So you're going to have to wrestle understanding the Trinity by yourself. You're welcome. However, I do believe that as we look at what, what we have come to start calling the Great Commission these verses from Matthew, I do believe that there is some beauty in understanding what is going on here through the lens of the Trinity. Now, when we start to look at these last couple of verses coming out of Matthew chapter 28, we can rewind just a few verses before and see that 28 is not just the last chapter in Matthew, but it is the only chapter that is dedicated to the resurrection. Matthew doesn't really have a whole lot to say about the resurrection in a lot of words. Matthew does have a whole lot to say about the resurrection in a few words. I appreciate so much that Matthew decides to end his gospel with the phrase, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. What a way 
to end a teaching, to end a reading, what a way to encourage those that are wrestling with what Matthew has to share about Jesus to end this gospel. Now, just a few verses before this, we find, again, Matthew 28, the chapter is dedicated to the resurrection. So a few verses, beginning of chapter 28, we hear that the women are headed to the tomb. All right? The tomb, and then the soldier at the tomb, we hear a little, a little bit from him, and then we hear this story that we heard today. There's not a whole lot, again, to chapter 28 yet. There is. The disciples, the 11 that are left, Matthew is very clear about that, right? The 11 that are left end up meeting Jesus on the mountain, which in the gospel of Matthew needs to, invites us to perk our ears up and to listen, because what happens on the mountain in Matthew? A lot of exciting stuff, right? A lot of exciting stuff happens on mountains in Matthew. Uh, Anyone know what happens on the mountains in Matthew? Did I hear someone say transfiguration? Absolutely, yes. The transfiguration happens on a mountain in Matthew. What else happens on the mountain in Matthew? It's even in the title, if that helps. Okay, which is what, uh, what we're looking at this morning, right? Yeah, the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, Mount. Uh, Sermon on the Mount. That happens. Matthew is also very good at pointing throughout his gospel that Jesus does what when he goes away to pray? Yeah, he goes to the mountain. You, you picked up on it. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's good. He goes to the mountains to pray. Significant moments happen on the mountains. And so for Matthew, when he says the disciples went up to the mountain, it, it's meant to perk our ears up and go, okay, something important is going on here. Let's, let's take notice at what is happening. So we know they're on the mountain, the 11 disciples. Let's join them to hear what Christ is teaching them, but might also teach us in the process. Well, the first piece of this encounter that again draws, at least that I would invite us to draw our attention to is what happens when the disciples see Jesus. Now in Matthew's gospel, this is the first time the disciples see Jesus as resurrected. All right. Verse 17 says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. This is an interesting verse that invites us to pause and reflect. What is it saying? Uh, So the terminology I like to use is let's dance with this verse just a little bit. What does the word doubt mean in English? Question? Question? Not believe, okay. 
If you would look up the word doubt in the concise Oxford English Dictionary, this is what you would find. A feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction. Okay. Did you know that the Greek word that is used here, that is translated doubt, has a dual meaning? Surprise, surprise. Is that what I heard? Yeah. In the Greek, it has two different meanings. The first is to have doubts concerning something and gets translated doubt. The second understanding of this word is to be uncertain about taking a particular course of action could be translated hesitate. So if we would reread this, as when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some hesitated. Hmm. If we dance with that for a little bit, I can understand why some of the disciples might want to hesitate. They're more than likely still wrestling with Jesus as Emmanuel, as Messiah, as God with us, even wrestling with the idea of what does it look like to have a triune God? Because they were only to worship Yahweh. The Lord your God is one. So they are wrestling, wrestling with this Idea: Should they actually be worshiping Jesus? Matthew helps us to understand that to encounter Jesus is to encounter God. Who is defined, God, that is, who is defined in the life and example of Christ. To help with this struggle then, about who Jesus is and, and them trying to still figure that out. Jesus tells them something that is really important. And this is what he tells them. He says that all the authority of heaven and earth have been given to him. In this statement, we are meant to pick up on what he's talking about, because this isn't the first time in Matthew's gospel that we have heard about all of the authority and uh, being given to, on heaven and earth to Jesus. If we fast forward to the beginning of the story, do you remember after Jesus got baptized, what did he do? He went into the wilderness to be tempted. And the very last temptation was taking him up to the top of the Temple Mount, which is on a mountain, and shown all of the cities of the world. All you have to do is bend down and worship me, and I can give you all of the authority, all of the power of heaven and earth or at least earth. And now, 
Fast forward to the end. After three years of ministry, after the death, the burial, and the resurrection, Jesus has now received the authority that he was tempted with at the beginning. Which is why we call uh, call him Jesus the Christ. That's why I, I like to add the word the in there instead of just Jesus Christ because for far too long it sort of seems like Jesus has a last name and his last name is Christ. Whereas we put that word the, and I'm not an English major, sorry, Carol, uh, but that word the plays a, an important role at least in my looking at this or is recognizing Jesus as the Christ, the King, our King. So when Jesus makes this comment, this statement tells us that Jesus is the, the king of the world. Not that the world is already completely as Jesus would intend it to be. I mean, does peace reign? No. Does justice reign? No. But it does remind us that Christ is working, is working to take it from the rule of corruption, greed, wickedness, and even death to bring it under the rule of his life-giving love. Jesus has the authority. Jesus has been given the authority. But how does this now happen? Because we hear the accounts. Jesus isn't still here. You could argue with me on that one. Because Jesus ascended. So then how does this work happen? Through the disciples. Which also means us. Through us. The people that Jesus is commissioning to do this work is how this happens. The invitation to be a disciple is open then to all people. The beauty of this imagery of baptism is, is the act of marking this type of transformation. See, baptism, I, I so appreciate, I know that it, it's, we're talking about Peace with Justice Sunday, we're talking about Trinity Sunday, we're looking at this this, these verses, the same time we're having communion. And, and so for me, putting baptism and communion together, because those are the two sacraments that we recognize in the United Methodist Church, sacraments being how we experience the grace of God in a new and different way. By baptism, we, we recognize the, the the power of putting to death our old self and rising out of the water, rising from being washed and and breathing in the spirit in, in communion, we remember, we remember, we join at the table, we taste, we smell, we feel God's grace. This is how we experience the triune God. In, the, in these few verses, then, the disciples are given the instruction to baptize, and they are also given the instruction to what? 
they're, they're asked to make disciples, which ultimately means to teach. What are they called to teach? Everything that Jesus has taught them. So in the Gospel of Matthew, rewind and start over at the beginning so that we can then experience Jesus through this lens of teaching throughout the Gospel of Matthew so that we then know how to teach. Let me ask you a question. What makes a good teacher? Someone who cares? Okay, someone who knows their subject? Patience? Upon patience? Upon patience? Kindness? Is that what I hear? Kindness? You know, there's a, there's a phrase that I, I always think of, uh, do what I say and not what I do. That makes a good teacher, doesn't it? Lead by example. I mean, let's, let's be honest. There are times where we might find ourselves in that situation because we're struggling with something. And so the best way we can help someone out is to say, please, do what I say and not what I do. However, when I search the internet, good place to go and find information. <clears throat> and I, I Googled search, what makes a good teacher? I just wanted to see what would come back. And so the Southern New Hampshire University suggests these qualities from their Master of Education program. They suggest that a good teacher can make a world of difference in a student's life by living into these qualities. The first, communication. The second, listening. The third, collaboration. The fourth, adaptability. The fifth, empathy. And the sixth, the last, patience. As I was reading through this list, it got me thinking, and it reminded me of another list that we find written from Paul to the church in Galatia that reminds us that the fruit of the Spirit, what the Spirit, how the Spirit lives within us, invites us to live, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What, a, what two beautiful lists to think about, to reflect on. We are, we are called. What is, what is Jesus doing to these disciples? He is calling them. He is commissioning them. He is inviting them not to stay on that mountain. No one's saying, let's, let's build some, some tents and let's hang out here for a while. No one's saying that. Jesus is saying, you need to go from this space. Live underneath my authority as my people teaching, helping others to see and experience who God is the same way that I helped you experience who God is. Matthew in this gospel, as he ends this gospel, reminds us that it's hard work. 
to go and live as God's example to the world. It's hard work sometimes to even go. You know what I'm saying? But Jesus says, go. It's your turn now to continue what I have started. And Matthew gives the encouragement with these final words that I'm going to share with you again. And remember, I, that is Jesus, am with you always to the end of the age. This is hard work. It's hard to show love to someone who doesn't reciprocate it back. It's hard to love your enemies. It's hard to choose grace, compassion, and mercy. Yet that is what Jesus is inviting us to do. Why? Because that is who God is. That's why we need the presence of the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the helper, so that then we will be empowered to be the example of Christ and to live the love and grace from God. That same love and grace that when we fail to live this way, I so appreciate the communion liturgy. The piece that I I lean into every time is when our love failed, your love remained steadfast. So when we fail to live up to being the example of Christ, the representative of God, then we can seek forgiveness. That we we are helped to stand back up again, brush our knees off and try again. God does that and we do that for each other. My hope for us is that as we allow this great commission to watch, wash over us, as we dance with it, that we may feel the power of the Holy Spirit, that we may strive to live by Christ's example, by teaching our world who God is, by living as an example of God's grace, mercy, peace, and love. May we be a living example of who God is, sharing with those around us the love that God has for us and for each other. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you. We thank you for these words. We thank you for this commission that you have given to us as your disciples. Help us. Help us to listen to your spirit inside of us, to choose love, to choose grace, to choose mercy and peace. Each and every day, God, Help us to live as your example. God, we love you. And we thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. 
We would love for you to join us again for worship in person or online, and we look forward to being with you next time.